Okay, well, thank you everyone. My name is Kyle Smith, and today I'm presenting on conflict coaching. So I'm very happy, I'm thrilled. Um, I don't know if you came looking for a fight. I don't know if you hate fighting, anything like that. I'm not even sure where this lands on your radar, but I hate to break it to you that we're gonna talk a little bit more of our individual approach to any of this before I'm gonna teach you how to tell somebody that they're wrong. Past conversations for me indicate that most people wanna know how to just tell somebody that they're wrong in everything that they're doing. And I just want you to think about the thing that you have in your life that you have felt shame over or that you would just not want anybody to know. Could you imagine someone coming to you and just sitting you down and telling you how wrong you are about that and trying to win you to the other side. So often through our conflicts and everything, we just want to reach, we want to grab somebody, we want to pull them to our side. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm big, you're small. I'm tall, everything. I have it all and you don't. And I gotta be honest, I just don't think that's the approach at all. So it's been a few years working on some of this. I, I'm like a, I'm just a fighter naturally. I've been like that. I grew up with four siblings and I'm like a scrappy-doo and I've learned how to just put it all together in a nice little package and stuff. It's not, it's something that I just, I work at a discipline all the time. Um, so that's what I feel like we can work on today before going through some of the coaching techniques or questions that we can ask with everybody else. I'm a big person of memes. I live through this. Oh. Sorry guys, my stiff. Big on memes. Not sure if it's conflict management or conflict resolution where you're just like, what's happening here? I'm not even sure. And then, this is my favorite. Let's settle this like adults. Rock, paper, scissors. I'm not even gonna lie to anybody. This is exactly how I settle stuff in the house with Derek. Who's gonna turn the lights off? I'm ready to go. I just did this in the gym with my training partner. We're talking about who's gonna take on the next set. I'm ready. Rock, paper, scissors. I just did this in Kidsman a few weeks ago. I, re I just remember coaching uh, one of the girls on the set with me. I was like, listen, we're going to fight about who's going to take out the trash on this set. We're going to rock, paper, scissors it. This is just how I live my life. But have this up here, too, because this is what I think is important. When we avoid difficult conversations, we trade short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction because we're afraid of having conversations with people when we feel like it's going to be a little conflictive. I'm sorry, I'm going to pop out of here so it doesn't give you all of those little notes underneath. Oh. Okay. All right, so we avoid the difficult conversations because, oh, we're afraid of hurting someone's feelings. We fear retaliation. That's a big one. I hear this all the time. I just don't like the drama. We don't like confrontation. And we just want to keep the peace. I heard that a lot growing up. My mom would say, guys, stop fighting. I just want to keep the peace. Her arms stretched out between four or five of us. Chaos at all times. Because we fear uncertain outcomes of what's, what might happen to us. We fear a loss in social standing. I might show my age, but my space. You'd have a fight or a disagreement with someone and you would change around your top 10. We see it on Facebook all day long. You don't, have an agree you don't agree the same way as somebody else. We are so quick to blast them, but also just, oh, did they unfriend me and everything? We don't want to have a relationship with them, but we're quick to unfriend them and wait and see if they're going to unfriend us. We create stories along the way, too. Oh, 
I'm afraid that if I have this conversation with them, they're going to be mad. They're going to tell everybody. I'm going to get in trouble. They're going to pop off in a certain way. I'm going to do that. It's just easier to not go at it. And I just really have to challenge that today. And so I think the best approach comes from Matthew 18. I don't think I need to teach that to you. I think a lot of people here today know that scripture. Here's what I've learned about myself for the past few years is that I want to take this scripture and I want to read it and understand what's going on. And then I want to fill this gap down here on how to do this well. Because it's really easy to weaponize scripture. It's really easy to walk around and tell somebody, well, if I'm offended, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to tell you how I'm offended. And if you don't take offense, then I'm going to go tell pastor or I'm going to go tell so-and-so. Just don't think that's part of how we're going to do it. I really think it's incredible if we can take some time to go through this gap down here and work on ourselves while still living out Matthew 18. So we know that we're going to go to our brother and sister, but we also know that we need to work on what we're going to do. That's a process of forgiveness. It's a pursuit of reconciliation, bringing things back together, restoring relationship, because sometimes we fear the conflict and that conversation simply because we're afraid of what we're going to lose or what might happen. One of my other favorites is Matthew 5, 9, peacekeeping versus peacemaking. We say we want to keep the peace, but like Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so that means that we need to work on, we need to work on that. It's interesting because we want to stop the noise. So that conflict, those difficult conversations that are coming up, we fear them. But really what we really, I feel what we really want is to find ways to stop that noise, stop that drama and be a broker of peace. Come to the table, negotiate the terms, right? It's not manipulation. This is like thinking about what we really want in order to get that peace back in our lives. This is in any kind of relationship that we have mainly because those who strive to prevent contention and strife and use their influence to reconcile opposing parties. You have greater influence than you know. Also because your influence is greater than your need to be right, than your need to control every type of situation. It's your influence. And so I always like to go back to the basics, like where's Jesus in all of this? Because Jesus was a great coach. He asked great questions. He didn't just sit there and demand everything out of everybody he would ask them questions why do you doubt where are you going for this there's a you can go through scripture and find all the questions that he's asking the disciples he had a vision and a purpose but jesus wasn't a dominator he didn't communicate that way he expected things he worked with his disciples and it's really interesting to understand too that he understood his disciples he understood their strengths their weaknesses and where they would win where they would fail and he still coached them and I don't want us to forget, too, that Judas still late, right? Like, he still was with, walking with Judas and had a relationship with him. Now, all of that packed up in a crazy little package to come to what I like to call, in this gap, the E plus R equals O. E equals an event. Every single thing about your life is based upon an event. You get cut off in traffic. That's an event. You flip off the person who cut you off. That's a new event. It's also part of your response. That's the R. The O is now at the next traffic light, someone's pulled up next to you that you flipped off because that was your R to their E. And now this O outcome is the fact that you've got a nasty little fight on your hands. That's an easy identifiable one. Another one is like staff comes in and they're 
10 minutes late. So that's an event for you. And your response could be like, time, and be kind of rude about it. And then create an outcome where now maybe your staff member doesn't want to have a conversation with you about maybe why they were late. Maybe they had a phone call they didn't know or just didn't have a chance to communicate that yet. These are all the E plus R equals O. We can't always control our E's. There's situations that happen in our life. Every single thing, an event. The response is entirely up to us and it's the only thing we can control of the E plus R equals O. That's what I love about this. That's all I can do. What I really love about things like this for mindset is that anything that Gary speaks about in like a three by three framework, if you attended his or some of the other coaching pathways, you can take mindset principles like this and add it into the framework that they talk about because I value it so much. So if you have the chance to listen to theirs, I really, really encourage it because you can take what they're saying and loop it back in there. And that's what I love about how we can do this. The O, outcomes are built by the event and response. This cute little formula up here is this line. We call it above the line and below the line. We have discipline-driven behaviors that guide our responses. They are intentional. They're on purpose. They are skillful. So um, getting up for work every morning to be on time. That is an intentional behavior that you have designed into your life. Uh, huffing and puffing when your wife or husband asks you to empty the dishwasher or flip the laundry. <sighs> And they can see the exhaustion. They can see just how you don't want to do it. It's a default-driven behavior. It's impulsive. It's kind of like being on autopilot. It's resistant. And people learn different. They, they learn our different behaviors about us. It's interesting because once you talk about this with other people and you start to learn the language together, they can call out your above-the-line behavior and your below-the-line behavior. We use this in our staff at the church. It was a game changer. We weren't speaking the same language. And once we started implementing the E plus R equals O, holy cow, it was incredible for us. Because we have the ability to influence others. This is all that we get to control as part of that influence when we're talking about E plus R equals O. Can't control the events or outcomes. I can't guarantee what's going to happen to you. Don't even know. We can influence the outcome by how we control our responses. And the biggest thing, it gives us a consistent discipline to live our lives. It's a, it's a nice system that we can use. I use it every single day in my parenting, marriage, work, anything that I'm doing. Even just deciding to get up and come here today, which is E plus R equals O. So what's going to happen? The reason why I like this is that when we start using verbiage like this and we start thinking about our behaviors and patterns and how we interact with others, we're really getting more to the point of what we want when we're looking to have that conflict resolution. I think we, we, we're so fast to think about like, I just want to know how to fight them. I just want to know how to get this and get this done. And yet we don't really want to sit there and be like, what do I really want? How do I want to show up to this conversation? How do I want to present and show who Jesus is well, regardless of if they, this person knows Christ or not? That's what I really value about this. And knowing that even if I do it right, with the best of coaching, with the best of even role-playing before having a conversation, all I can do is control my response. I'm not controlling the outcome. I can't control anybody else. It's not a manipulation tactic. It's nothing like that. It is just be using your best self to come to the conversation with the other person to influence a better outcome. And I say that because Derek and I walked a period with 
a family member, years. Oh my gosh, it was chaos. And we weren't fighting, like the relationship was okay, but we knew we were gonna have to have this one conversation with this family member, one 10, 15 minute conversation that we actually spent three or four months in coaching with based off of this. Well, we have to, we have to say this, we know it's needed. We know it's, we know it's Christ-like to have this conversation. We know it's loving. And a lot of the counterback would be like, okay, so what, what will you do if this person responds that way? We have to sit and think about it. Okay. So I can't control if he gets mad. I can't control any of that. All right. So how will you respond? Okay. Well, I can think about maybe not slamming my fist on the table. I can think about not, um, getting up and tossing anything like most of my below the line response is to be like well i'm gonna be like jesus and flip tables that is 100 percent where i always land and once you really know me too you know that as a default response and so even saying that to you is like you can say to me kyle below the line because my above the line is i want to i want to respond well kind caring and i want to be intentional with eye contact and active listening with him so that way he knows that i am for him i'm not against him because that's what i really want now even with the best of coaching both my husband and i walking through several weeks of this one 10 minute prep conversation that thing imploded it imploded the conversation was terrible but i could still walk away and say i did what i could obviously i created an e I showed up to the response, I used my response, I influenced outcome because I really could have created more waves. I could have gotten into such an uproar that parents, more parents are involved, aunts and uncles, you know, all the Facebook drama that people get into. It really could have gone that way, but it didn't. And I think that comes back to the fact that Derek and I were highly focused on what do we really want here? How do we want to show up to this conversation to be able to say what we need to say, do it well, and then still be able to walk out on the other side and just say, okay, listen, it didn't go the way that I wanted. <laughs> and this is something I've learned of saying, that's okay. I'm still Kyle. Even if, even if that missed the mark, that's okay. I'm not a bad person. I have this. I'm still Kyle. I usually say I'm still Gary, but that's literally from going through a training with him at a staff retreat and that's how he used it. And then that's how I live my life now. I told you guys it's through memes and stuff, but it's really because it gave me an identifier to live my life every day. Even if it doesn't go the way that I thought. I'm still Kyle. And so our response is important. I think another biblical principle is like, we want to be the salt and the light of the world. What I like about this is that it's like when we look at that text, why, is Jesus, why are we talking about salt? Because it was used to purify and detox. Funny because in current culture, we're all about taking toxic things out of our life. We're looking for ways to clean up our areas. We're looking for this. Also, I come back to like, so if we purify what we are doing for our response, guess what? We're removing that toxic, that toxic person. We're like removing that toxic behavior and stuff. This isn't about cutting people out of your life. This is just about showing up well to have a conversation with them. We want to be the shiny. As leaders, as Christ followers, people are watching how we respond. If you don't think so, social media is all I have to say. I don't have to point out anything else. It's such a good tool, but it can really be a weapon if you want it to be. And I'd rather be on like, I'd rather be on the side of like, I just want to remain shiny in what I'm doing and stuff. I know that sh iron sharp sharpens iron. I know that I'm going to run into conflict. I know as an executive pastor, I'm going to say things to church members that they don't like because they're not getting the spaghetti dinner on Wednesday night that they want. 
because that's what they want. I know that that's going to hurt some feelings and stuff, but I want to be able to show up well to those conversations. And also, it's just that it can lead us in different directions, the directions that we didn't even want. It can lead to further conflict, broken relationships, loss of trust, engagement, and I just, I don't want that. I don't want to have to sit at a table and be accountable for, hey, they left because you were dehumanizing to them. You spoke to them in such a manner and the way that you carried yourself was just unacceptable. I don't want to have to have conversations like that. I want to, I want to be able to sit and say like, hey, so we got down to the root of the problem. It's not the spaghetti dinner that that person actually wants. What they want is something every single night of the week that they can go to because they need a point of connection. They want to be a part of something, but we also discovered in asking, okay, so if we do the spaghetti dinner, who's cooking? I'm a terrible cook. Who's cooking? Who else is showing up? Who else is doing it? In coaching that through, we're identifying, well, I don't know. I just want to come to it. I just want to see people. Okay, well, who can we call? I, I don't know. I don't know anybody. I, I, just, I just want the spaghetti dinner. All of this to come down to they're lonely. They just want to make connection points and stuff. But also understanding, too, that we can follow back to we have some other processes to help them engage, too. From the simple church standpoint, this would be our grow groups where we would invite them into community that way. It's not spaghetti dinner. That's a real conversation where someone's meeting with me because they want to have spaghetti dinner every Wednesday night. And I'm thinking, no, how do I do this? No, sitting there and they're upset because I have to lovingly say, okay, well, tell me more about that. Let me ask some questions. And then as they're answering them, like, okay, well, I, I hear what you're saying. I value that because we're getting down to the bottom of what the spaghetti dinner really means for them from their past experiences with church when they grew up and everything. Um, we still don't have any spaghetti dinners. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because I love grow groups. I love what grow groups offer. I love the community that they offer in that too. And so I feel confident when we have those instead of just saying, nope, end of story, out of my office, let's go. And then that way, it could lead to this. BCD. Blame, complain, and defend. If you don't take anything away from this session today, except this, I feel like I can 100% promise you this will be life-changing. You got to stop blaming. You got to stop complaining. You got to stop defending your below-the-line responses. So when someone is talking to you about how you huffed and puffed or how you rolled your eyes or anything, you got to stop defending that behavior. This is where we step into this zone for growth. And this is something we continually work on. We use this at the office. Derek and I, Derek's actually on staff with me. My husband, Derek, he's a creative pastor. He's on staff with me and I serve as the executive pastor. So you can only imagine how some boundaries have to come into place and how some conversations come into place too. But we have to use this all the time because we have to be able to walk into the office and walk out and then walk into our house and not hurt each other and talk about something that was bothering somebody from the the morning, do you see how it can just like tear you? He gets up on the wrong side of the bed. He comes into the office. We don't even drive to the office together because I will, I will legit blame that dude if I'm not there 15, 20 minutes ahead of time. I will, I will enter the BCD zone all day long because of that. So we design different ways. We, I choose a different response. Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm feeling. This gets us out of what we call the drama triangle as well. If you're familiar with that, that victim, bully, rescuer, <laughs> this is a great way to, so that, that victim, if you're choosing to be the victim and you're going to sit there and BCD or dump all over somebody, 
I heard it brilliant this morning. They call it the secondhand smoke. And I was like, oh, that's so brilliant. Because when we think of secondhand smoke, we think, that's disgusting. I don't want that in my face. And then what do we do? We get mad at somebody, and we go dump all over them, and we vent, and we regurgitate all of that all right to them. Instead of just saying, this happened. This is what we did. This is how we resolved. This is how we moved on. This is my favorite thing. It's so good that we actually have it in our beliefs, behaviors, and outcomes on how we operate. And also in our church merch, it's on the, our sweatpants. No BCD right here. We'll walk around and stuff. It's hilarious, but also we can, it's language that we can use together as well. So when Pastor Aaron is feeling a sort of way and he's saying something, we can be like, hey, no BCD. And he knows right then and there. I got to stop what I'm doing because they're calling out a below the line behavior. It's great. It's not going into any more details. We can stop it move right along. I love this so much. I have a 12 year old daughter and she has even learned it. So she knows I got to walk away because all I want to do is just BCD all over this place. <laughs> Sounds really bad, but she, guess what she knows? I'm about to blame. I'm about to complain to mom all day long. Don't want that. And I'm about to defend my poor behavior of something earlier. It's, it's been really, really helpful for us. So part of that is understanding this, what we call the R factor, that R, that E plus R equals O is your response, the R. So we got some disciplines. We've got press pause, get your mind right, step up, adjust and adapt, make a difference, and build skill. And I can email this presentation to everybody because I know it's a lot of slides with a lot of information. Your press pause. Get your, it's pressing pause. Before you respond, get focused, be intentional. It's understanding the situation. Sometimes these are like just second by second. Sometimes you do have to, hey, I just need a minute to go take a lap and stuff. You have to define your press pause. It's almost like you don't get to say like, oh, just pause, pause, and in a dramatic fashion. It's designing like, you know, can I just have a minute to think this over? That's a good press pause. If it's, hey, I understand that we need to have a conversation. Can we um, talk about this this afternoon? Can I give you a call? It's a press pause. That is okay. We have lived in a day where it's like we have to have this immediate gratification and conversation with someone. Some of them, yes, they have to happen in the moment. You can still press pause and get your mind right. Some of them you have to say like, hey, I value that. I really want to have this conversation. I think if we can meet up later, gives you some time to process, understand what's really going on behind the scenes with them, with you. We want to get our mind right. We want to pay attention to our inner thoughts and feelings. What story are you telling yourself? My core fear is that I am inadequate and I don't have what it takes every day. That is a battle I get up and face. Before walking in here today, that's me stuffing down my core fear. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to come talk to people about why I think conflict resolution starts with us before it starts talking about what everyone else is doing wrong. That's the story that I tell myself. And some, sometimes I have to face that. And that also means that's how I get my mind right. I do have what it takes. God called me to something. God gave me a gift. God knows that I like to challenge different thoughts and perceptions, but in a loving and kind manner and to lead well and love well. I know that God designed me that way. And we're not going to stay stuck in the emotions. A lot of the time, we'll walk through the day of like, oh, I'm so mad at her. She talked to me that way. I got to be over dramatic because I really don't try to live this way. So when I'm part-time at the shop, I can't. She talked to me this way on the phone. Why did she even do that? She's so rude. She's this. He's that. I don't want to stay stuck in the emotions. I'm so mad. I would give him. I, I try really hard. Derek would tell you a different story. I hope not. Um, we want to step up. 
we're going to respond with discipline and it takes practice. This takes all the practice. You don't just arrive at something and decide you're done with it and you know all and you're good to go. This is an everyday ongoing growth process for you. Like I said, all of this fits into the frameworks that other much better coaches and leaders and pastors are talking about and you can take this and use it. And I feel like this is just a nice contribution that I've been able to learn over the past few years and work with. When we step up, we want to get engage the best response possible. So when you took that time to get your mind right and you press pause, how do I want to show up? How do I want to engage in this conversation? And we want to take action. You're going to have to take some action with it. You're going to have to ask for the conversation. You might have to pick up the phone. You might have to stop texting your conversation. And I know that hits home for some people, but like they can't understand your tone. They don't understand your heart. They don't understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, I'm 10,000 words a minute when I speak. I know that I'm surely not getting out everything in a text message. Also, it's just unloving. It's, to me, it's like asking for coffee in a text, cool. Saying, hey, can I call you later? Cool. Saying, you didn't show up to serve at Kidsman at 9 a.m. and we really need you and you really put us out there and I don't appreciate your behavior and I don't like that and yet you don't know what's going on with your people and you don't know why that they relate and you couldn't even pick up the phone and call them and just say, hey, we value you. We love you. What's going on? Are you okay? How are you doing? We're so busy being focused on ourselves and how mad we are and how we're ready to have a conversation with them about how they are short for us that really, as a leader, we're the ones that are being short. And I think this is where we can really step into a zone to really change how we lead. And we're going to have to adjust and adapt. Our habits are perfectly designed for the results we're getting. Oof. So if you got stuff that's going on in your life right now that you don't like, it's because you probably have a habit there that you need to tend to. Mine is typically like my weight. I know how to change that and I know how to diet down for that and everything. And there's habits that I've got in my life that I need to do. The, the response that I'm having is, ooh, I'm not feeling great about how I'm, how I'm looking or how the, how the scale's going. Well, I'm gonna have to change some of them. I'm gonna have to look at my habits and adjust them. It's a very physical standard, but I think a lot of people can see like, oh yeah, I got that. And if the R is not working, we don't blame the E. We don't get to sit there and say, well, life's just hard. It was busy. I was at Synergy all day, so I had to go to Starbucks and get a latte and blah, blah, blah. That's just not how that's going to work. We're not going to do that. We're going to choose a better R. You're right. I don't want to feel this way. So instead of that, I'm going to take my protein shake with me. I'm going to drink my water all day. I'm not going to eat the delicious looking chocolate chip cookie that comes in the box lunch. Because every year I walk through that where I sit and watch everybody else eat it. It's not bad, but it just looks delicious. And this is where I feel like it became the most relatable. Be adaptable. <laughs> Life requires adjustments. I will not say more because pandemic, 2020, church, lots of adjustments. Simple Church is not even back to in-person services. We are still adjusting and adapting to what we're doing during COVID. We currently don't even have a building to meet in, so we are lacking in that area. And there's parts of me that are like totally okay with that because this team that I work with has been willing to adjust and adapt to the current culture and the needs so well. That first service that we had to stop and call people and say, hey, we're not meeting on Sunday. I called our kids pastor and was like, so I know you haven't recorded kids content before, but would you be open to coming into the sanctuary and filming some kids content for this weekend that way we can give our adults an experience and our kids she said yes the first filming took seven hours 
we got much better at it. Now it's down to like an hour and a half, but, but the content that she's using is excellent. But that's because Lainey developed a skill of being willing to adjust and adapt to seasons and any, ch any change that we're facing. We, this is how we look at it. And then we want to make a difference. We want to create great experiences for others. I know that's a lot about us to talk about that conflict coaching because there's going to be some tough conversations that we have, but we can still make it a good experience. It might be painful. There might be tears shed. Let's not be afraid of being in touch with some of our emotions of how we're feeling, but we can still have a good experience with others. Our attitude and behavior are deeply personal and rarely private. Ugh, that one like always gets me because if I have an attitude when I'm engaged with anybody, they see it here. They see it in my body language and stuff. I don't want that. I want to be able to make a difference in their lives. And then what you do has an impact on the others around you. This is why our response, it creates those new events for everybody and new outcomes. And then we want to build skill. We want to be intentional on the habits that we build. Sometimes it's sitting down and thinking about what we want to do or change in our behaviors that are causing us to respond this way that lead to this different outcome and grow beyond our talent because there are talented, gifted people in this room, in this building, but if we're not willing to go on a growth journey and step up, someone's gonna take a place because what gets you into the room could be your talent and what takes you out is your character. Because it's great that you can be the best designer around or the best singer, but if you're coming in with poor attitude and you're not loving to others and responding in a loving way of what I would consider, you know, just engaging well and stuff, that's where I would have a conversation and we would talk about, you know, what's going on there because that's that character that takes you out. And then there's some stuff, so how we do it, there's, I feel like it's like prayer, we're going to ask that person for the conversation, prepare, don't over-prepare. You don't want to script your conversation with them. Prepare means, how do I want to show up to this? How do I, how do I want to be my best self when I sit down at that table? I want to keep the desired outcome in mind. So I'm having a conversation about, um, let's see, what was recent one? My daughter didn't get her way. She didn't get to go out with her friends the way that she wanted to. My desired outcome is that she still knows that I'm a trusting adult in her life, that I love her, I care for her, and that I want her to know that she can be upset at the decision made, but this is still the decision because we're still the parents. That's my desired outcome. I don't want to lose relationship. Stay emotionally centered. I don't want to do that. I'm big. You're small. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm mom. You're the child. You know nothing. Kids are intuitive. They know stuff. They, they have it. And we want to take the other person's communication into style. I feel like the more you know your people, especially when you're working with teams, the more that you know them, that you get to know what drives them, what is their fear, that helps you communicate with them. And we want to be fair. Like I said, this is not about manipulating them. This is just about having that, having a good conversation with them even when it's tough conversation and then lastly I added coaching habit questions um, this is from the coaching habits the seven basic questions that you can ask but in conflict you can still go through this if someone's mad and they're like hey we got to talk when you guys set up okay what's on your mind give them the floor let's not meet like this let them speak and then sometimes in leadership it's like the what else and what else happened Sometimes there are facts that you need to know, but not that he said, she said, the, the. sometimes we just don't need all those details. I think this is a big one we forget to ask. What's the real challenge here? Like, what are you really facing here in this conflict? If you're mad that someone spoke over you at the staff meeting, is it because they spoke over you or 
is it because you didn't raise your hand to speak or is it because they, what, like what is it, what was that challenge there that you faced? What do you want? Sometimes it's literally as simple as asking that and then just saying like, I just want someone to look over me and maybe ask if I have an opinion on it or if I have any input. It can be really simple. It seems, it seems really easy to do, but some people, they just, they don't know how to step into that zone. I feel like this is where we can step in for them and help them. And then these last two, in, in any of my like conflict type conversations, because I think we think like conflict's all bad. That if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? This is where I would, with a team lead, if they're saying like, I just don't have time to do all this. I can't get to everybody. I can't communicate to this because I'm trying to, to be a dad here. I'm trying to take care of, of softball team that I'm on and everything. And then this is where I would ask, okay, so it seems like we've got a conflict of interest and schedule and everything. That's okay. If you're saying this, yes to this, what else do you say no to? Sometimes it's really just kind of defining that too, because they might be mad at something SC related and then in questioning, it's really not SC related. It's just that they're feeling overwhelmed and they just have to kind of redetermine their, the shift in their schedule. And these I flow in between. These are not all standards that I use in anything like that. And that's why I don't want to just give you this some freebie because conversation is, it's like asking really good questions. Jesus asked really good questions. In coaching, you're, you're asking questions and then you're going to give space for them to answer. And so it's not about you knowing everything. There are times where you might step into that conversation and have to say like, well, no, this is what we're going to have to do or what we're, what we are about or the, vi the, the vision, the vision, the mission, the standards that we have. There's a time and a place for that, but not about just the I'm right, you're wrong. And then I brought this little guy because I'm super proud of him, but you can see our obesity. This E plus R equals O conflict when people were running from one leader to the next at Simple Church. And oh my gosh, I call it the running to dad. They don't like what Pastor Kyle said. So they ran to Pastor Aaron, not my husband, but Aaron's the lead pastor. They'll run to dad and tell on me. And then we found ourselves in a triangle of this, that, and the other. And understanding too that we were missing the mark. We were allowing for BCD to go on from church members, dream teamers, our volunteers, and we had to get away from that. So we developed this culture playbook to literally share our beliefs, behaviors, and outcomes. Uh, no BCD right there in the excellence column for belief because we feel like if we are striving for excellence and all that we are doing with behaviors of not blaming, complaining, defending, owning the challenge, being part of the solution when it comes to anything conflict, then we glorify God through all that we do because this is the outcome that we want. We want to glorify God in all that we're doing. We want to have passionate relationships with others. We want to trust God and impact the world, and we are more like Jesus every day, and we understand our purpose and make a difference. Those are the outcomes, and those behaviors that we instill through that is what's driving what we're doing. Do we get it right all the time? Nope. Does it give us language? Yes. That's why I wanted to share it because everyone, I feel they're so helpful. And if you have the ability to do it, I think it is amazing. And I know I talked a long time. So if you've got questions, I would love to take them. These are just resources. I don't really go into boundaries. I just think this book will change your life. 100%. If you have not read it, please. Oh my gosh. It is, this is the number one thing I sit down with anybody. And if they are looking for a book to read and they're struggling with some of this stuff, boundaries. We start there. We discuss. If you're a sports fan, awesome. Urban Meyer, above the line. E plus R equals O, all throughout that book. So this is not just tried and true through church world, organization, anything. He used it on the football team. He talks about plays and how he had conversations with players. That is cool. 
I mean, I'm not a big like sports ball fan, but I like to have conversations with other people who are like, well, I like football and I'm looking to grow. Here's your sign. Coaching habit, those questions, and then crucial conversations because I know sometimes it's hard. We don't want to step into that space and we're afraid of what's going to happen. Crucial conversations gives you some keys that you can work with and everything. There's no perfect science to it either, right? We're all, we're all people. We're imperfect people striving to serve a perfect God. And that's where we just, we just get caught up on some of that. So with that, does anybody have any questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I can. I also plan to email this out to everybody as well, too, so that way you'd have it. I like to have all the resources in my back pocket by the time I'm out of here at the end of the day, so that's something I like to, I like to do. Does anybody else have any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Sure. I have a few responses to that. So I'll reach out. Let's say it's like a dream team thing or work related. I ask for the conversation or if they've asked and then sometimes they just cancel two or three times. Maybe they text like 10 minutes before you're supposed to meet like, hey, sorry, I can't make it. I'll ask for the follow up. Great. I understand. When can we meet up? And if they give me the answer, great. If they don't, okay then. But if I, if they don't, I, I start to recognize I showed up, I was willing to have this conversation with them. They're choosing a response. It's creating a new event for you. Through this framework, their response is, I don't wanna do it. It's probably a, a below the line response because it's like resistant to it, it's resistant to a conversation or anything. Above the line would be showing up to the conversation, right? Even if, even if they don't have this kind of like language to use, that's gonna create a new E event for you. You have to choose your next response. Are you going to go to the next person, well, Kyle, can you believe that she didn't show up? She just totally forgot about me. She, she texted me. Are you going to choose that response? Or just to, if I were to ask you, hey, did you have your meeting with so-and-so? No, they told me they couldn't make it. Okay. And what it does, it like creates space in conversations. And it's not to have this like lull in it. It's not that you don't know what's going on. It's just these extraneous details that you don't need. Also, it's just not loving to like, well, she canceled and she did this and he didn't do that and he didn't show up. And then I still follow, sometimes depending on the situation, I would still follow up and share to the heart of like, I still really want to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. And give them the space to choose that. They still choose on it. Now, because it's based on the conversation, if it's staff, like I do ask them to sit down with the time, we'll schedule that and everything. That one's, that one's still different for me because like your staff and this is what we agreed to. And like we don't yell and scream in the office. So... I would hope that they feel like they can show up to a conversation. There are friendships that I have in my own life that they just kind of, they know something went down. They just don't want to like come to the table and have it, have it. In fact, you like, you spoke my life because there was a friend. I'm not even sure what happened. She just like ghosted and she asked for the coffee and then just like ghosted me at the coffee table. So I don't even know. It's just like, I just choose my response instead of, instead of being mad, instead of going home and like that, bcd to derek and stuff if he if he says hey how was your coffee i don't know she didn't, she didn't come <laughs> like, that's it so it kind of feels like you don't know all the answers but you do you're just choosing a different response to not you know blast anybody else and to not be unloving in that kind of way yes yes
Yeah. What do you what do you fill that space with? Something's gotta go in there. Yeah. Um, it's just it's like this small process. So instead of um, I'm trying to think of like what what I I know I still have. Do not get me wrong. I still have many below the line responses, and if Derek Smith were sitting here, he'd be like, "Here's a response." Um, so for me, it's like this this. I have to get, I have to acknowledge that. Do I like that response in me when someone tells me something I don't like or don't want to face? Or how do I want to, how do I want to handle this? And so sometimes it might just be like, you know, like I got to, I got to choose how I want to show up in that and what I want to replace that with. I have written this down. I will whiteboard it of that, that line. What, what are these below the line behaviors that I have? Now what do I want to fill it with? Because when you do that, you recognize how you've missed your mark, so to speak. And that's what you're asking, right? Like, how do I take this, this thing I don't like to get to the thing I do like? Well, I'll, I'll write it down. With more of the, it's from Focus 3, and um, the owner of it's called, his name is Tim Kite. His stuff is great and valuable, and he talks about a character blueprint. And you write out, like, what your values are, what you wanna do, how you wanna show up to certain things. And so when you write out your blueprint, you, like you're writing out a plan for how you wanna be, who you want to be. This isn't, it's not like a, it's not changing how God designed you. It's just like enforcing how God designed you. Because I know God designed me to speak well with other people and love them. And so when I'm just like, oh, they wanna have a conversation, that's a below the line behavior. And I wanna replace it with, hey, yeah, let's have, let's have it. Let's be open to it. Um, it's work. It's just like acknowledging it too and being willing to acknowledge it. You're not going to have it perfect the first time around. Sometimes it's great to have some accountability around you too. So that way when you're like, hey, when I do this, can you just help me see that about me and just kind of call out that below the line? They don't have to be like, you did this, everything, and kind of make fun of you for it. They can just say, hey, that might have been one of the below the line responses that you don't want to have, that behavior. We use that too. We, in, the, in our office, because we use this, if someone makes a joke that seems like um, unnecessarily hostile, one of us will say, hey, that was a little below the line. That way we know, that way we don't call out, hey, you said this, we all have it. Hey, I might have said something that was, you know, hurtful or harmful or anything. They probably didn't mean it, but also that, that joke that came out that was just not necessary, it was just below the line behavior and stuff. But this is, this is working with wanting to be open to it as well and everything too. So when I think of things that other leaders talk about, especially understanding the, um, just, uh, Gary speaks about this with the empath, sage, and leader, and understanding like how he refers to live mixing of like, if I'm gonna be empathetic to what's going on, the sage of offering advice, or the leader of like, no, we're gonna do this, the reason I use that in here is because I think of how do I want to respond as a leader in this situation? How do I want to respond as the sage in this situation? How do I want to respond as the empath in this situation and stuff too? That's why I call it this like this link up into it because I love that verbiage, but I know too it's kind of hard to think, okay, how do I want to show up to this and think about that outcome and stuff? It's a lot, it feels like a lot of formulas in my, in my head. It's like the math board, but it's just, a, it's just a lot of trial and error and stuff and then determining Okay, I showed up in that way. I didn't like that. I didn't like how that conversation went. I didn't like how that phone call went. I didn't like, I didn't like the email response, if anything. Okay, I lied. More than just the BCD. Please stop texting your emotional responses. Please. Please. Your people thank you for it. Please stop. Please. 
pick up the phone and call them. Like, it is okay, leave them a voicemail. Hey, I would love to have a conversation with you. Stop the emotional texting. I still have a staffer that does the emotional texting. We constantly go back to this. Why are we showing up in this way? And it's just like, they think it's a quick, fast thing because it's on their mind and we just don't want to operate in that way. That is not part of our belief of the excellence of going to the next level. To us, texting emotional responses is not next level for us. Can I answer any other questions? Nope. Yay. <laughs> I can share real life too. So um, I'm actually, a, uh, I work out a lot. I'm a pro bodybuilder. I know I may not look like it. I'm going somewhere with it. So <laughs> I got to keep my pro card set of this, set of, uh, this year. That E plus R equals O when it comes to conflict. This past weekend, I was training at the gym. Man came over and said, hey, I want that machine, get off. My training partner was like, hey, we're using this. She handled herself well. This is also why it's helpful to understand character with the people that you're around. Um, been with her for years. She politely said no. And he demanded, hey, I want you up and out of that, out of that machine. And she was like, here she is, like doing her chest. Uh, no, I, I'll be done in a minute. And as we're leaving, we're walking out of the gym. This, th we said no handled ourselves well, like that was the response, outcome, he's gonna walk away and wait his turn for the next machine. And as we're walking out, he calls my training partner a name, it starts with a B, and the E plus R equals O kicks in for me because like I said at the beginning, I am a challenger, I am willing to show up and fight. I played rugby in college, I'm a little scrappy dude, okay? I wrestle with my daughter, like, I'm like, you need to go to wrestling, yes, I'm gonna find team two, this will be great. I turn around so fast. In an instant, this is how fast that happens. Turn around. Did you just call her that? And as he was like, uh, yes. Okay, no thank you. That behavior is not acceptable at this gym. No thank you. I pay to be here. No thank you. That was my response. It wasn't rude. I didn't get in his face. I wasn't unkind. The below the line response is like, hold my jacket, Danny, I'm about to go because that's how I want to, that is truly how I want to respond. I want to throw my earrings, I want to throw my gym bag down and I want to go at this guy and I want to scream in his face and I want to tell him how disgusting that is because I cannot stand behavior like that. But all I had to do was turn around. No, thank you. We're not going to name call. That is not loving. That is not kind. We are all members of this gym and there's etiquette in a gym community. No, thank you. And I am willing to be bold like that because I feel like I knew that she was saying, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. That's not fine. Behavior like that is not fine. I didn't say anything that was unchristlike to him. No, thank you. We don't, I don't accept that because I don't think Jesus would allow anybody to talk to a woman like that or men. I don't believe that's who Jesus was or is today. And so just stepping in that event, response, outcome, conversation with the gym owner to understand that he needed to equip his, his people at the front desk because her response was, no, no, just let it slide, guys. It's okay. It's okay. Like, guys just get mad. No. So the outcome for me was getting to a point where the gym owner was recognizing he needs to equip his team to deal with behaviors like that. It wasn't about a poor response and poor behavior from me necessarily. It was understanding this is not okay. We don't want to do that. And it's not to gloat of like, this is what we got to. But these are real life outcomes. Event, man calls woman name. Response, I can get real scrappy or not. Outcome understanding that we've got some real problems in society that we've got to go after, and then also teaching and equipping more people to understand that they can stand up and just say, hey, we're not going to accept that here, and understand that they're supported by their employers as well at a gym 
to say, no, that's behavior that we're not gonna accept here and talk about revoking membership privileges and stuff. And I'm not necessarily looking for that, but I am looking for good community. And I feel like those are valuable, right? How are you gonna treat people when you go out to dinner after lunch on Sunday? You know, they didn't get everything right. How are you gonna choose to respond? These are those real life situations that you get to do every single day. That's what I love about stuff like this when it comes to conflict. Um, I have the really tough conversations too. When someone comes to me and tells me, hey, you don't, we don't want them, we don't want them at our church. Okay, well, let's talk about that for a second. And I like to have those conversations because I don't give the answer that I think most people are looking for because they want to know what's the right, the wrong, and they're out and I got my way. I want to get down to the bottom of why they are responding in such a poor way and not loving others the way that I feel like Christ called us to do that in community. So it's, it just becomes wildly interesting when we look at it through a framework of that within us as individuals, when we go to have these conversations as leaders with our people, instead of just blasting them or removing them from teams altogether and disrupting community and whatever we're doing. I use it at work, everything. So thank you so much. I appreciate all of you guys. I hope that some of it was beneficial. If anything, take the BCD with you and add that into your language.